Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The information contained on this platform represents the opinion of the host and shall not be understood, construed as or a substitute for medical or health advice. Please see a health professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. It's the Black Health 365 podcast, and we are here to make sure you look good on the outside and even better on the inside. After all, looking good, feeling good, and living a healthy lifestyle 365 days of the year should be a daily choice. Here at the Black Health 365 podcast, we will address the healthcare disparities within the Black community with trusted voices and information to empower a healthy lifestyle. Ain't that right, Britt? I'm talking about mind, body, and soul. Greetings and salutations, 365ers. Welcome to another episode of the Black Health 365 Podcast. I am Jackie Page, radio personality in Atlanta, Georgia, as well as Richmond, Virginia, uh, Zumba instructor, TRX instructor, group fitness instructor, personal trainer, nutrition coach, and I think that is all that I am. I mean, you know, I'm everything else, but still, as far as like the titles go, that's it. Joined by the one and the only. What's good, 365ers? My name is Brett Daniels. You're a serial life coach, yogi at heart, personal trainer, all the things just like Jackie. Um, I'm so happy to be back, Jackie. How y'all, how you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. Another week. Um, The sun is finally out. I feel like in Atlanta, it's been doing a lot of raining and I'm over it. So it's good. It's cold, but it feels good. Um, it's good to have the sun out. And um, I know we talked about like, you know, working and meditation. You know, we talked about meditation and yoga. Um, and I've actually been doing some of the, can I say meditative practices? But uh been trying some of the meditative practices um over the last few weeks or last few weeks or the last week. Um, and I'm I'm feeling good. I'm feeling in, in a good space. How are you doing? I'm just like rambling about how I'm doing, how great life has been. That's what I asked for. I want to know what's going on in your life, Jackie. Uh, <laughs> everything is going really well in my life. Um, as you know, as a trainer um, and a corporate wellness director, a lot of big events in the early part of the year. Um, so I'm just excited to be holding spaces for people to talk about their lives, to talk about their wellness and just provide resources and education to people. I mean, that's what we're here for. Um, and so, yeah, just trying to maintain, but I am taking time for myself. I'm actually heading to Tulum tomorrow to go on a vacation, actual yoga retreat. You so, pop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to brag, not to brag, but. Too late. I'm looking forward to that space too for myself because I, I a lot of what I do is giving to others, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to step into a space right now where I can just be on a receptive side. I'm just trying to you know receive. So yeah, really excited about that, and that's actually leading into our Dharma talk for today. So 365ers, if you're not familiar, we start our conversations off with a Dharma talk, and it comes from our Eastern tradition. It's essentially a short sermon um, to set the mood, the the intention for the conversation. Today's Dharma talk is about regulating yourself so that you can give your energy appropriately. And so learning to say no when you need to say no, setting appropriate boundaries where they are necessary, taking space. Um, and what does taking space look like? It can t- it, that can mean, hey, 
I'm tired, so I can't go out with you tomorrow to that club. <laughs> I can't go out with you to the club tonight, you know? Taking space for yourself looks like, hey, I'm tired, so I need to turn off the TV and so I can wake up on time. Taking space can look like a lot of different things, but the point of it is so that you can set boundaries in your life so that you can operate sustainably. Yeah, that's real. I think that's something we all need to work on, me, myself, just taking time to say no to those things that, and I think you said this, it may have been late last year, but don't serve me and don't serve my life. So no, I completely agree. Um, if it don't touch your spirit, don't get near it. Um, say so, that again? Yeah. <laughs> don't touch your spirit, don't get near it. Jackie, I'm excited for today's conversation. Um, you know me, I'm a nerd when it comes to <laughs> mindfulness and so as you know, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to topics on mindfulness, meditation, neuroscience. We had a great conversation the other day uh, about my journey in yoga and what is meditation, what is mindfulness. Um, but I kind of want to get a little bit deeper into the science of it for this conversation. And so I'm really excited to talk with our guest today. Yeah, we have, um, to say that she's, you know, phenomenal, I feel like is just not doing enough justice because when you talk about um, Black women in um, this type of uh, profession, there's not a lot of us out there. So phenomenal to say the least, but uh, like Britt said, excited to talk to her. She's a Black woman and her name is Professor Stacy Dutton. Professor Dutton is a behavioral neuroscientist. Who chat us SAT word right there, whose research focuses on ion channels and their role in various behaviors. Um, she has a specific interest in understanding the role of these important proteins in sexual behavior, epilepsy, and developing improved treatment for disorders that result from their adherent functioning. Uh, Dr. Dutton, how are you doing today? So happy to have you with us today. I am great. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I mean, listen, I'm just reading off the wonderful things that you are doing. So, so Amazing, amazing things. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you again. Well, Dr. Dutton, I'm so interested in this topic. Um, you know, I found mindfulness practice, meditation, yoga, neuroscience, positive psychology from a space of crisis. I was going to college. I was the first in my family to get into college. I pretty much had a, a very difficult time. Um, struggled with drug abuse, senses of depression, hopelessness, and everything. And I took some time away to go live in Japan. And while there, um, I stumbled across Buddhism and Taoism and all these these philosophies. And then from there, in my, my curious mind, I want to understand the science behind it. And so I was studying people like Richard Davidson on just the, the benefits of meditation and how a lot of scientists are now looking at monks and, and putting fMRIs on their brain to see what is going on in the brain. Yeah, so I, I think it's, I'm, I'm really excited to see, one, how you got into your career, but two, just like, what are these connections like? So I'll let you take the floor. Yeah, thank you so much. So neuroscience. Um, I was an undergraduate student at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. So that is where I did my undergraduate studies and in biology. And while I was there, I had a host of different scientific mentors who, you know, just really exposed me to all areas of biomedical research, which I can go to town and talk about how it's so important for us to get engaged as Black folks in that area. Because if there are subjects and topics that, you know, are important to us and need to be researched, if 
people who look like us and who have those passions aren't doing the work, they don't get looked at. And so I just really want to overemphasize that. But um, so in that space, I was really actually interested in immunology, extremely interested in studying how the immune system works and how it works to combat disease when we're infected with different infectious compounds. But then my senior year of college, um, I was home on Thanksgiving break. Um, my younger brother at the time, he was 16, he suffered a massive stroke. And I was the one who found him um, in this, this stroke state. And when I saw him, I knew he was probably having a stroke because I had educated myself um, just through school training on like, you know, some of the basic symptoms to look for. And, you know, I was the one who had to call the ambulance, you know, call my mom and get everybody to the hospital quickly to, you know, to save him. So from that experience and having to navigate, you know, the hospital and talk to the professionals and whatnot, it immediately changed my trajectory in regards to like my career option. Like I said, I was in my senior year, so I was taking the GRE then. I was really actively studying. And it was that moment where I said, well, I think I'm going to switch to neuroscience because, you know, I want to figure out like how a healthy or, you know, semi appearance of healthy 16 year old goes from, you know, playing football one day to, you know, having a stroke and having, you know, now live a life of being a hemiparalegic, you know, losing, like he, he lost complete control of his left side of his body. Um, and, you know, now he's actually, he actually turned 36 yesterday um, on January 23rd. And, you know, he still hasn't regained complete control over the left side of his body, um, but he has managed to live, you know, uh, quite of a normal life, um, despite having that experience. But no, that was literally the moment that led me to apply to graduate school, so my PhD, to study neuroscience. Um, and that's how I got down here in Atlanta, um, by, uh, by way of Emory University, where I got my PhD. Um, I studied epilepsy then. Um, epilepsy was the disease of choice then, um, more so because sometimes seizures are a secondary symptom or a consequence of having had a stroke. And so that was how I got into that world. And I was really successful. I did, um, published a lot, looked at different drug treatments. Um, and from there, I decided to focus more so on teaching and um, educating students on research and the importance of research. So now I use mice models as the teaching mechanism to you know, help students learn more about neuroscience. So that's how I got into this field. Um, you know, what was the second part of the question? Well, one, I just want to thank you for being candid with us about your family and your brother. There's a lot of power in that. And also, wow, to your resume, it's absolutely amazing. And, you know, we were looking for a neuroscientist on here for a while. And so we're glad we came across your information. For our listeners to take a step back, what is neuroscience? So neuroscience is essentially the study of the nervous system. And I like to say the nervous system because when most people, when they think of the nervous system, they just think of the brain, but it's not only just the brain, but it's all of the nerves that leaves your central nervous system from your spinal cord, you know, and enters into your limbs that interact with all of our major organs. We have a massive independent nervous system in our stomach called the enteric nervous system. So the nervous system is really all of those parts, so all of the nerves and neurons that comprise our body as well as our brain. 
So yeah, it's, it's way more holistic than just the brain. Absolutely. Today's conversation, we're interested in that connection between neuroscience and study and actually the benefits of meditation, Absolutely. mindfulness, yoga, directed attention. Before we get into that, do you practice it for any of these modalities? Oh. Absolutely. And I'm actually currently in yoga teacher training. So. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Fellow yogi, I'm yes. to hear With you being a neuroscience, is that a neuroscientist, is that what kind of led you to kind of step into the realm of wanting to become uh, a yoga instructor and um, actually practice? So that's a really good question. I actually started practicing yoga with my freshman year of college. I remember showing up with my yoga mat my little VHS tape, cassette tape, because <laughs> it's in 2000, what in one, it's 2001. So I showed off my little cassette tape, you know, and I would do my little yoga practice. Um, at that time, I didn't really have any specific reason for the practice beyond that uh, it made me feel good. You know, that was the reason that I decided to do it. But when I was in graduate school, it became my saving grace. No, it really was the space that pulled me through a lot of just the challenges of navigating being in an intense PhD program. I also say that as I got older and just navigating some of my own personal traumas, it also was my safe space um, in that regard. But I think now that um, you know I'm approaching 40, um, I'm a lot more learned in regards to just the benefits of health, of yoga, meditation, and just living a mindful lifestyle. I've really been more intentional about the practice. And, you know, I want to be able to spread that message to others and create space for others to be able to do so. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I think a lot of people, <laughs> interesting, they, they, they enter yoga a lot of times from the physical space, um, what it does for the body, and then they get that spiritual element out of it um yeah so you're familiar with these concepts you're familiar with your these topics um how has your um career in neuroscience influenced um your yoga practice your mindfulness practice and just the, the connection between both of them yeah so i think having a understanding of brain structure and function allows me to have a better understanding of what's happening when i'm engaging in a mindfulness practice but I also think it allows me to be a lot more um, introspective when I'm dealing with any complex emotions. And so, like, for instance, if I know, you know, I'm not having the best day, right, um, I can have mindfulness and be aware of how I'm showing up in spaces because I'm aware that I'm not having the best day and I don't want to disrupt the energy of the space of others that I'm in. And so the mindfulness helps me just move in that space in a way that's a bit more, you know, um, uh, just considerate of others and the energy that they may be carrying. Also, I would say, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to do was be able to educate people on brain structure function and how it shows up in, in a yoga or meditative process. Because I think when people have a greater level of awareness, they're able to make better decisions um, in how they navigate circumstances. Um, so I would love to really get into some of those brain structures with you all, because there's so yes. much data that has been um, that has been presented more so within the last 20 years. Um, so I, yeah, I would really like to dive into all of that. 
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Absolutely. That was literally my next question. Um, just understanding what brain structures. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and the brain functions that meditation and mindfulness can affect um, from, you know, I guess the amygdala, the hippocampus, all the prefrontal cortex. Yes. I want to hear about all of that stuff. Yeah, let's yeah. Nerd out. So you um, you mentioned quite a few of them, actually. Um, and I think what I will do as I walk you all through, I will, you know, name the brain structure and kind of give you an overview of what that brain structure is, because some of these aren't really common um, structures that we hear about. So for instance, the prefrontal cortex, right? Um, we talk about that a lot um, in our common knowledge about it being the space of like, you know, I hear often that like, you know, some, we don't, it doesn't mature until we're in our twenties or whatnot. But just to give a bit more context, the prefrontal cortex is the brain region that's in the front of your brain. It's extremely important for our high order thinking, so our ability to make um, decisions, our high order cognitive processes, right? And it's one of those brain regions that kind of sets us apart from other organisms, other evolved organisms. Now, it's known that with yoga, it helps strengthen the connections of the prefrontal cortex. So it actually helps us enhance our ability to have those high order functions. But one of the interesting things about the prefrontal cortex is that it can sometimes become overloaded when we're in moments of stress and anxiety. So though um, yoga can help enhance those connections, it helps us being able to make better decisions in those states of um, stress and crises. And so we're not as overwhelmed or we're more, we're more aware of ourselves being overwhelmed and we're able to make a better decision um, in that space. So again, um, that's how the prefrontal cortex is showing up. We have one of my favorite structures, the, amyg uh, the hippocampus, I'll start there. Um, the hippocampus is such an amazing structure. It's involved in learning and memory. Um, and it actually is one of the structures that oftentimes people who str struggle with um, anxiety or even depression, that structure tends to be implicated a lot. Um, now, um, with that, yoga also helps to strengthen the ability to memory, to um, have enhanced memory, so to be able to stay in that sort of um, neuronal pathway longer. But it also helps to dampen some of the responses from stressors because some of our memories have direct um, correlations with stress, right? And so being able to process that in a better way is a direct impact of yoga's impact on the hippocampus. The amygdala, 
a very another awesome structure involved in our um, memories related to fear um, and anxiety is also um, heavily implicated with that. So in a similar way to, um, as with the hippocampus, the amygdala plays a role with that. Another important one, um, this is not necessarily a structure, but um, the brain is comprised of both white and gray matter. And so our white matter is more so some of the tracks of the neurons. And what they found is that um, persons who engage um, in mindfulness practice or in yoga have these white matter tracks that are more enhanced. Um, so basically better communication between the left and right lobes of your brain. And so if you think about it, really yoga and meditation is like an exercise for your brain. Um, it's allowing both the left and right hemisphere to connect better. It's allowing it to process information better. Um, something really cool I want to talk about is um, with some mice. Now, we may be think, thinking, you know, like what mice can tell us about yoga and meditation. But mice are actually really, really cool. <laughs> I do all of my work in mice. And I will say, though, that some of the, um, the studies that have been done in mice, some folks find it kind of controversial because the thing about a mindfulness practice is that, like, it's like the, t the intention, right? Um, with humans, we, you know, have the intention to want to be mindful, whereas with mice, you're kind of manipulating them so that you're seeing some of the behavioral effects of mindfulness and they're not necessarily making the intention to do it. So again, you have to be mindful about the interpretation there. But nevertheless, um, some really cool stuff has come out of research with mice in that uh, world. So um, in terms of that brain waves, so our, our brain has these cool um, waves that it functions it depending on what um, phase we're working in during our day. So beta is sort of the phase that our brain is in um, when we're engaged in heavy mental activity, um, but we're awake. And that those waves for those um, particular phases of our lives tend to be low. Um, they, they tend to not be so high, but they're low in intensity. But one of the cool things about sleeping is that um, you have these higher waves that are slower and they're called fatal waves. They're um, supposed to be indicative of our body being in like this relaxed state. Um, and so what scientists did was they um, had some mice and they exposed these mice to fatal waves for um, a certain period of time to kind of mimic these mice being in um, a state of sleep. Now, the reason why they did that is that what they found with humans is that persons who engage in yoga or mindfulness practice for a sense of period of time have actually more of these theta waves when they're in awake phases of their life. So your brain begins to move and function in a way that's more relaxed um, just on default, just by having a consistent yoga practice. And so they took these mice, exposed them to these theta waves and they um, found that these animals had a reduction in anxiety-like behavior. They had a, a reduction in depressive-like behavior. Um, so just, again, really supporting the fact that changing your brain um, through yoga and mindfulness practices can really result in some changes and some of these behavior outputs like um, anxiety and depression. And I, that was one of the studies that, are, that really was mind-blowing. And I've, I've shared that with some of my students before.
Let's go, Dr. Dutton. I'm, I'm listening to this with such a big smile on my face. Um, I can't, wow. That was super comprehensive. And what I love about this, this conversation is that for a lot of Westerners, it demystifies the concepts of meditation and yoga. Um, I love how you said that it's literally an exercise for your brain. It literally changes our neural pathways. Um, and I, I think that's absolutely fascinating. Um, and, I, and I think people who are, especially in the West, entering a space of trying to understand meditation and yoga could benefit again from neuroscience. Um, it, it seems like in so many ways, meditation and mindfulness in yoga can be a medication for so many people, <laughs> for so many people. Dancing crew, trip for two, nail the final interview. Game with Doug, brand new mug. Come here, kid, give me a hug. The more you want to do, the more we want to do. New COVID-19 boosters designed for recent Omicron variants are now available. Learn about eligibility and schedule a free updated booster today at vaccines.gov. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. Another question I want to ask is, you spoke about your brother, and I'm, I'm interested, can meditation mindfulness practices be beneficial for people who have chronic illnesses like stroke? maybe even schizophrenia or something. Are there things that support that? I would like to add like a little extension to that, but not only with chronic illnesses, but also with um, diseases. So no, I think that is, these are really great questions. And these are things that are actually being explored in clinics currently. And so um, can it be a source of like a medication? Is that sort of the, the question? Yes. Yeah. Um, so um, there is quite a bit of literature, like I said, that's exploring that. Um, if I look at my specific field of epilepsy that I've been studying, there's a lot of work being done or has been done looking at patients with epilepsy. And so just to give you all a bit of context, epilepsy is a disorder characterized by persons having frequent seizures. Um, and there's different types of epilepsy, but um, something that is really important to note is that some forms of epilepsy are not really controlled well with the provided medications that we have on market. Um, meaning that even though they're taking uh, anti-epileptic drugs, they'll still have seizures, um, which is unfortunate. And I also know that those anti-epileptic drugs sometimes come with consequences. So there's lethargy, there's cognition um, impairments that happens with those drugs. And sometimes there's issues with like development, depending on if um, there's a child who's taking drugs. So there's real serious concerns about, you know, taking those drugs. But, you know, if you're having a, a serious seizure condition, you know, you need some sort of reprieve. And so since then, um, there's been a lot of different studies that look at, you know, whether you can put patients with these drug resistant epilepsies on a sort of like yoga meditation um, protocol where they're doing a certain amount of yoga each day combined with uh, meditation and then look at their seizure outcome. And they've, there's been some studies that seeing up to a 50% reduction in the amount of seizures that these persons are taking. I mean, this is with them still having their medication, um, but in addition to the, the benefit they see with their medication, they're seeing even further um, reduction in seizures with the inclusion 
of you know these uh, meditation yoga protocols on their um, on their treatment plan. Similar things have been found with um, patients with pain disorders like fibromyalgia and patients with um, other um, spinal cord injuries. You see some similar um, improvements. You see some improvements in, in um, some of the degradation that happens with your brain with some neurological conditions like Alzheimer's. Not massively, I'll say that with Alzheimer's, but you do see some improvement um, in those patients. Um, with stroke, stroke is a one that you, that is actually really um, beneficial in regards to yoga. Wow. Um, because with stroke, you know, it's, it's a neurological condition, but um, the impacts of it is primarily, um, in terms of their quality of life, the impacts really um, impacts their muscular and their skeletal system. And so what happens is that those patients tend to have like a lot of rigidity and muscle tightness in the areas of their bodies that um, are impacted due to the stroke. And so just being able to engage in the yoga practice helps with um, not only massaging those muscles and improving the range of motion. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wow. Um, this is powerful stuff. Again, going back to the element of demystifying these benefits of yoga that, and mindfulness that we've known for thousands of years. Um, I love to see that science is speaking to the truth of these things. Again, to reiterate stress reduction, improve attention and focus, increase gray matter, cognitive function, emotional regulation, brain plasticity. This, yeah, uh, absolutely amazing stuff. Um, we found you, doctor, um, on this website called Black and Neural Organization. Organization, and so you know, we know it's not many Black people who are in neuroscience, um, or not. You know, <laughs> Black. Well, let's be real, Black Black people, Black women. Let's be real. Let's just you know call it's, a spade a spade. I mean, that's real. That's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's not so, that many of us in science in general, and so then now this is a subfield. So yeah. And so I'm happy this organization exists. And I kind of just want to get your insight about what this organization means to you. No, um, thank you for mentioning that. Um, so Black and Neuro was started during the pandemic on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> it was started on, during the pandemic and Twitter. It's a, actually a, a really new organization. Um, and I also know that there are about seven other organizations very similar that started on Twitter during the pandemic 
sort of because of the same thing. So then um, just to kind of provide like a little bit more insight on that. So during the pandemic, um, you know, we were all shut down, especially in science. None of us can get into our labs and do research. We were all stuck at home. Everybody was on Twitter kicking and, you know, you know, just talking about some of the challenges of being black in science. That's really what happened. And folks just like, well, let's just start, you know, let's start some organization or let's more so start some online um, um, group events just to bring visibilities to, you know, the black folks who are in these fields of science. And so that's how Black in Neuro was started. Um, it started as just a week on Twitter where um, black scientists We'll highlight the things that we do and you know, we'll talk about things that were of interest of us and it was it was such an amazing space because we never had the opportunity to see all of ourselves never you know there's a um, large a larger organization called the society for neuroscience we meet once a year it's about thirty-five thousand neuroscientists convening on one space every year in that space, it's so many different people, it's overwhelming, but we never had an opportunity to see all of the Black folks together. Um, and it was really cool because this past year, um, all the Black and neuro folks had the opportunity to finally get together and see one um, another after not being together or meeting each other for two years since you know the organization was founded. But no, it, it has been a real blessing for me um, because like I said, I got my PhD in 2012. I joined my PhD program in 2005. During that time, it was very few of us. The internet was really not a thing for social engagement. Um, it really wasn't. Um, so it was very lonely, very isolating. Um, you know, I'm also a first-gen college student, so not having anybody who have walked this path before, not having anyone to discuss, you know, the challenges that I was dealing with, you know, that was a real thing. And like I said before, yoga, um, specifically hot yoga is what I was in, um, was the uh, the space that allowed me to really work that um, that stress out from what I was dealing with at the lab. So that's actually, um, I guess my next question is, I know you just said like hot yoga was your thing in college and that you're in the process of becoming a yoga instructor, um, is there a particular? Because um, I, Britt, I'm 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 learning <laughs> as we go, um, but Britt has kind of explained to me that I get there's I guess there's different divisions of yoga. So which yoga practice are you um, one? I guess going into now and that you really want to I guess instruct. And is there any particular reason why? that was the one that you're like, hey, I want to do this one. Yeah. So like I said, my first intro was hot yoga. Um, and it was a specific type of hot yoga. But, you know, it's a lot of controversy surrounding that form of yoga right now. We can do some Googles to figure that one out, um, which was really upsetting because anyone who did that form of yoga, whew, it was amazing. Um, but nevertheless, I am doing more of a classical yoga um, training. So basically it's, it's more of the traditional yoga postures. Um, it's the eight limb path, right? Um, and that's something I really want to emphasize. And when we talk about yoga, right? Um, most people think of postures or asanas, right? But it's an eight limb path. There are eight things that is actually encompassing of 
the yoga practice. The postures is just one eighth of the other eight aspects of yoga, right? Before you even get to the postures, yoga talks about um, having to know your own personal restraints, having an understanding how you interact with others, um, working on your breathing, right? Then we have postures, and then our postures are really designed to help us be able to prepare ourselves for meditative practices and sit in those states for a long period of time. And so now in the Western world, we kind of put the postures at the forefront were really the postures were really just designed to help us be able to sit in meditation for long periods of time and help calm the mind. Because for real, try, if you ever do any um, vigorous workout, then try to sit still and do um, a practice, it really helps you be able to focus and zone in a lot better. Um, so that was the original intense, intent behind um, the eight limb practice. And so um, that's kind of where I am. Um, my training is coming from more of that eight limb classical yoga um, school of thought there. I am, so my larger goal is to open a yoga studio. Um, and I don't necessarily see myself being like the main teacher there. I want to be able to be a space to employ other um, Black persons to um, run the said yoga studio um, where I'll be able to teach classes and seminars on neuro and the brain and how it connects to yoga. This is more so my larger vision. Um, but um, I'm really um, passionate about more so the eight limb path and you know, folks, you know, thinking about it all in that inclusive way and not just focusing on the asanas. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. That's absolutely beautiful summary. Um, as a fellow yoga instructor, um, doctor, I commend you not only for the work you've done in your career, even in this conversation, I hear the self-work you have done in your own life. Um, and I also furthermore commend you on wanting to find spaces for people to discover these things. Uh, I want to open up a yoga studio too and have people like you to talk about all these things. It's such a beautiful thing. Again, I think neuroscience does such a great job in demystifying all of these benefits that have been beneficial for people for thousands and thousands of years. Wow. Um, Jackie, do you have any other questions? No, I don't. I would just have to kind of echo what Britt just said. Um, you know, I think during this conversation, um, I learned a lot more about yoga and not looking at it from the standpoint of like you just said, like just the postures. Because when I see yoga, it's just the postures. But understanding that there are a lot of benefits um, 
internally as well. Um, and for me, it's just like, oh, well, you know, I, I have to say I fall in that category of being a person. I'm that Westerner that is like, oh, well, it's just a stretch. Like, there's a lot more that goes into it. So, you know, actually having this conversation with you um, has really broken a lot of that down and given me a lot of like, aha moments that I de- would have never known had we not had this conversation. No, I, I, I as Britt said, I, I, one, love what you're doing in neuroscience as a Black woman, but then also um, how you're using yoga um, within that um, and, and mindfulness within that to show um, people that, you know, it is is something very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what's the word? Um, it's something that, it's it's a level that we can all reach. Yes, absolutely. And I just know that those four, those first two limbs that I was noting was called the yamas and the niyamas. So those are your personal restraints and um, how you interact with others. Very important. Beautiful. I mean, really beautiful philosophies that I think um, people forget or, you know, don't really have time to delve in in regards to the yoga tradition. Absolutely. And it actually goes back to the Dharma talk, taking space. Um, Dr. One walkaway question that perhaps could have asked at the beginning of the podcast. As a neuroscientist, how would you define meditation? How would I define meditation? So meditation is uh, is a way of exercising your brain. The reason why I say that is, so there is a, the, uh, a uh, theory in neuroscience called Hebb's Law. And in Hebb's law, it says neurons that wire together, fire together. So what that means is that when you do a certain action, behavioral action, your brain is going to create a stronger connection to do that same thing over and over and over again. So like pianists, you know, they're really good at playing the piano. Those brain regions that control that are really, really strong to do so. So with meditation, you can retrain your brain to do more mindfulness practices. You can retrain your brain to be calmer, to have lower reaction time, to control how you respond to things that may typically stress you out. Um, So it's exercising your brain in a way that can help lead you closer to a more, you know, calmer path, uh, path. I love that answer. I love that answer. And 365ers, what's your 365? I think walking away from this, Try to find some moments for mindfulness, and it doesn't have to look like you sitting in an empty room with a dark with candles on. <laughs> it could be going on a walk and being mindful. It could be you washing the dishes and being mindful, applying some more levels of intentionality in your life. And if you do want to do a more formal meditation where you sit down and breathe, it doesn't have to be for an hour. You know, take 10 deep breaths as intentionally as you can. That's something you can walk away with. I kind of want to add a little bit to that and understanding that um this mindfulness this meditation um could actually be a game changer for you in your life um in multiple ways not only just you know if you're you got a muscle that's tight but also you know talking about what's going on in your brain what's going on with inside of your body um i think dr dutton just did a great job of explaining all of that so you know take some time to do it but also understand that in you doing this there are great benefits um to doing it so Sorry, Britt, I just had to add the, that aside to it because it was just sitting on my spirit real hard. That's just icing on the cake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Dutton, where can people find you, IG, website, resources that you recommend? Because I'm going to follow up. Um, if you have a book, I'm buying it. Uh, yeah, so where can we find you? So it's Dutton underscore PhD on Instagram. 
and um, on there you can find all of the things that I do. So I also have a podcast that features um, the stories from some of the students who are in my courses. It talks about basically their STEM journeys and how they you know, decided to become um, either neuroscience or biology majors, it's anonymous, it's also space for them just to be honest about their stories as students. Um, and then you can also find the webpage for the soon-to-be yoga studio um, that my partner I and I are currently um, building. That's amazing. Well, Jackie, you want to take it away? Sure. I'm just like, I love it. You said this soon to be. I love yoga. it. I'm like, yes, yoga studio. I love it. Manifestation is coming. It's happening. Yes. Okay. Get to it. And I just feel like I got to throw this out because I'm in Atlanta. Um, Dr. Dutton is in the Atlanta area. So um, if you're in the Atlanta area and you are looking um, to tap into her, she's definitely somebody you can tap into, not only as far as like neuroscience goes, but also on the yoga front. So I thought it was really important to say that. So uh, Dr. Dutton, very enlightening conversation. A lot of aha moments, I'm sure, for both you know, me, for sure for me, but I know Britt was over here like, oh, oh my goodness. Um, I know he had a lot of aha moments. Thank you so much um, for, you know, enlightening us and teaching us um, about, you know, the neuroscience behind yoga and meditation. And, and it's not just, you know, get up here and stretch and, you know, undo this little muscle spasm you got going on. It's, it's a lot deeper. Um, things that we need to know as a, I'm gonna call a spade a spade, a black community, because we like to go very surface level and not dig deep. So thank you for digging deeper with us today. Yes, absolutely. 365ers, as always, if you have any questions, anything you want us to cover, talk about, hit us up on Instagram, Black Health 365 Okay, that's the IG. Make sure you hit that follow button, slide in those DMs, um, ask us questions. And we're going to make sure we do what we need to do to get those answers to you, just like we dig deep to get Dr. Dutton. 365ers, have a phenomenal week, and we will check you out later. I'm Jackie Page. And I'm Brett Daniels. Peace, namaste, and love. Black Health 365 is an Urban One and Reach Media production hosted by Jackie Page and Britt Daniels, created by Samuel Tatum and Laura Lopez, executive produced by Brittany Jackson and Kadisha Campbell, editing and production, Jahi Whitehead, sales and corporate sponsorship, Patty Johnson.